0: Well, amen to that. Let us not forget that He is great, that He is the great I am, that He's in charge of our life, that He is all the strength that we need to make it another day. I got a lot of books up here, and this thing's really small for what I'm about to to do, so forgive me. I don't get to preach that often, so when I do, it's like, try to cram it all in, right? Just try to get as much in as you can get. Um, But I want to talk today about perseverance. Um, Before I get started, can somebody please get me a a cup of water? I would really appreciate it. I'm putting my Bible on the stage, not because I'm not going to use it, because I transfer the information to my notes, and I'm going to be preaching from the NASB. Um, If you're referencing your your Bible, and it's a little different, it's because I'm using that translation. Thank you, Sarah. But trials are a part of this life. Um, We don't get out of it without trials. And if you are, you're probably the only one that ever existed. Um, I try to speak to all of you. Um, as much as I can when we have Sunday service. And I've got some of you in life group and I might be a deacon for others of you. But one of the things I try to do is go to you and talk to you and and say, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling inside here? What's going on in your life? Um, Because I find that we all need Prayer. Sometimes we pretend like we don't need prayer. Thank you, beautiful. Um, like we've got it all together. Like my life is okay, and when people ask you, I'm fine. Nobody's fine. Sandpaper's fine. I'm quoting George Carlin. Sandpaper's fine. Hair is fine, but people aren't fine. We're, we're really not. We all have problems, and we're all broken, Right? We all have issues. We all have struggles. So one of the things I've noticed as I've talked to you guys is that most of us are really needing prayer. Look, We've got health problems. Some of us are getting older in the years and we've got things that are are ailing us and uh, might be broken feet or it might be knees that are hurting or backs that are hurting. And we know all of these things are going to happen, right? Because we're taught at a young age that we're all going to pass away. We're all going to die. So we're not getting out of this life without trials. We're not getting out of this life without pain. And we're also not getting out of this life without spiritual attacks. And a lot of us are dealing with spiritual attacks, right? The enemy wants to attack us. Enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to kill us. He wants to get us off point. He wants to create division. He wants to hurt us. Why? Because we are moving in the direction of Christ. We are following Christ. So we won't, as long as we're following Christ, have a life of bliss every single day. We won't have perfect lives. It just, it's, it's not gonna exist. So we really have to pray for each other, right? We say that sometimes. Maybe we got prayer chains and we'll say, I'm praying for you. Let me ask you a question. Are you stopping, if you're not stopping right then, and praying for your fellow church members or people that are lost or people in this world, if you're not stopping right then, is it an empty promise? I can tell you that Lou and I do pray for you. Um, Sometimes that's all we have to give you is our prayer. Sometimes we can't help you with your problems, but we can pray for you and we can all pray for you. Um. So perseverance is um, something that we all have to have in this life because we're Christians and we're going to be attacked, and the world doesn't like us. They hated Christ; they're going to hate us, right? So we have to persevere, and so we're going to be in James in the first chapter of James, verses one through twelve. But before I get started. And going through the scripture itself, I want to give you a little bit of background. I want to give you a little bit of context. James was written about 44 AD. It was probably the first New Testament book ever penned or written down, okay? It, um, most scholars call it Proverbs of the New Testament. So we get a lot of wisdom. We got a lot of stuff in there. It's a practical book. It's a book of practical truths, things we can apply to our lives and we can use. James kind of wanders off topic sometimes, and he's going to do that in these first twelve verses that we're going to go through. He's going to do a little bit of wandering. It is the first book that I generally ask people to read if they want to say, if they say, Hey, I want, to, I want to read the Bible. This is usually the Bible I point them, or the book I usually point them to, either this or 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 John. So um, it was written to the Jews. The Jews are dispersed. They are under persecution and they are broken apart and they're dispersed all over the world. Okay, so their church is broken. Likely, it could be for a couple of reasons, scholars will say, because Stephen was martyred, and so shortly after that, the church broke apart because of that, or it could be because Herod Agrippa was attacking the church, and he wanted to kill the Jews, okay? So they're dispersed, and they're living in trials. They're fearing their life. So when James writes to the Jews, and there were some Christians mingled in at that time, he's writing to them to encourage them because they are under trial. They're being persecuted, right? People want to kill them. James himself was martyred. James was taken to the top of the temple and he was pushed off. To die. But when he hit the ground, he didn't die. And so the the mob came around him and started beating him to death. And you know what he did? He was praying for the people that were trying to murder him. That's trial, that's suffering, that's pain. The kind of person we uh, persecution we as Christians face in America, let's be honest, is nothing compared to what some of these first century church people had to go through. So when James is talking about trials, he's talking about life or death situations. He prayed so often that people called him Old Camel Knees. Because his knees were so calloused, he was praying all the time. He knew what a great weapon it was against the enemy. He knew how it could affect not only his life, but but lift up in spirit those who are going through the persecution. Why am I telling you all this? There's a lot of detail in this text. There's a lot of stuff that we sometimes skim over and we lose. But do we listen how he died? He was praying for the people that killed him. How difficult would that be to to do? When you have enemies in your life, people that you know hate you, I'm going to be honest, it's sometimes difficult to pray for them. But that's what James did. And that's what Christ did. And that's the message, right? So James knew a little bit about trials. So he can speak on this subject. The Jews knew a little bit about trials. They were broken apart, dispersed. The main point of the sermon today, if you, if, you, if you remember anything, as Brian says, I want you to remember this. That our faith can be tested by trials and suffering, but, but perseverance gives us access to the crown of life. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read through James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But if he asks... He must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man had not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass He will pass away. For the sun rises with scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The next point is this we are bond slaves to our Christ. And as bond slaves of Christ, we're called to surrender our lives to every valley he walks us through and submissively walk through it. That means we are willingly accepting the name slave, bond slave. That means we say, "Lord, you tell me what I should do, and I will do it. It is your will be done in my life, not my life to be designed by Darren Brown. Trust me, it doesn't work. I've tried it; didn't work. Bond servant in Greek, the term is doulos. It means slave." Who willingly submits to a master. Lord. In Greek is kurios. It means the master. Of a doulos. So James is saying that he is a slave. To his master Christ. And oh how difficult. That must have been. Let us not forget. That James. Was the Lord's half brother. If. If. If my God told me that my brother David was the Messiah, I would go, You crazy? I grew up with him. Well, we know Christ was perfect, so it isn't that, that he did anything wrong, but he's your, it's your, it's your earthly brother. And so he had a real difficult time with this. James didn't even believe his brother was the Messiah until after the resurrection. Think about that. The whole time Jesus is is, uh, doing his ministry, James, his own brother, he was there, but he didn't really believe his own brother was the Messiah until after the resurrection. Let's go to John chapter 7, verse 5. For not even his brothers were believing in him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 7. This is after the resurrection. Then he appeared to James, then to all the disciples. Can you imagine being the brother of Christ? Oh, my perfect brother, Jesus. He never does anything wrong. Right? Because you know James got in trouble, right? He's... He wasn't a perfect being. So James got in trouble. Well, Jesus always, he, he never does anything wrong. What kind of a resentment in a human heart would that muster up? So for it to be difficult for him to believe his brother was the Messiah just seems humanly normal, right? Let's not be hard on James. It had to be a little bit normal, but he had a hard time trying to figure out that his brother was actually the Christ. James finally did accept his brother as the Messiah. Amen? But James also walked through some serious valleys in his life. His brother and his Lord allows him to suffer in his name and allows him to die a horrific death. The next point is this. We all will encounter trials. But if we respond to it with joy, it builds endurance. Listen to what he says. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen closely. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. It doesn't say if. We all will. It is a part of this life. Christians will encounter trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith will produce endurance. I'm going to do something that I don't know if you're supposed to do as a pastor, but I'm going to read from two, two different writers. This time is, is Tozer. A.W. Tozer, if you don't know who A.W. Tozer is, shame on you. Go buy one of his books. It doesn't even matter which one it is. Just go read it. A.W. Tozer says this, and he's, he's speaking about Ephesians 5.4, and he quotes it saying, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Tozer goes on to say, Death is a spiritual sleep or lethargy. I would suppose that the moral man who was morally asleep was also spiritually asleep. It is possible for one to be morally awake and then slip back by degrees into a kind of spiritual solemnness that is coldness and lack of feeling about God and the things of God, about Christians and about the dying to self and the scriptures and prayer. You get used to things And you get sophisticated. Spiritual sophistication lacks freshness and warmth. God is far away and there's little communication and little joy in the world. To have a cold heart with little pity, little fire, little love, and little worship is spiritual lethargy. There's going to be moments in our walk with Christ where things are difficult. where it's difficult to wake up and say, hey, I want to teach this Sunday school class today, right? There's going to be times where you don't want to go to work. There are going to be times where it's difficult for you to pray because you're spiritually beat up by the enemy attacking you. Listen again. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. By raise of hands, how many of you have dealt with trials in your life? If you didn't raise your hand, the only one that shouldn't have raised her hand is maybe Baby Esther, but she probably had a few already anyway, right? So next week we will do a sermon on lying. It's only fair. I know you're raising your, your hand and your heart. That's fine. No big deal. We are going to encounter trials. So here's, here's me breaking the sermon rules. I'm going to read again from Oswald Chambers. Listen to this. If you don't have this book, The Utmost for His Highest, I would encourage you to get this also. It's the best devotional out there, period, by my, by my estimation. Um, This devotional was taken from Mark nine verse two, where Mark Mark describes the transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mount, and he appears to them in a light, right, and glowing. He's Elijah and Moses appear at the same time, right? So this is what this is what Chambers is writing about. This verse. We have all had times on the mount when we have seen things from God's standpoint and have wanted to stay there. But God will never allow us to stay there. The test of our spiritual life is the power to descend. If we have power to rise only, something is wrong. It is a great thing to be on the mount with God, but a man only gets there in order that afterwards he may get down among the devil-possessed and lift them up. We're not built for the mountains and the dawns and aesthetic affinities. Those are for moments of inspiration, and that is all. We're built for the valley, for the ordinary stuff we're in, and that's where we have to prove our mettle. Spiritual selfishness always wants to repeat moments on the mountain. We feel like we could talk like angels and live like angels. If only we could stay on the mountain. The times of exaltation are exceptional and they have their meaning in, in our life with God. But we must be aware, lest our spiritual selfishness wants to make them the only time. Joy doesn't mean we we walk through trials with a cheesy smile on our face. That's not humanly possible. It doesn't mean you're not going to cry when a family member dies or goes through suffering of their own. It doesn't mean we don't have any fear in our heart when that next big thing is coming up on the horizon. It doesn't mean we don't have any anxiety in our life. Joy produces patience and endurance because it is an act of faith. The next trial is easier because of the one we just endured, right? If we have faith in that trial, we grow. And so the next thing that comes up, we have a little bit more faith for the next thing and the next thing. But what that means is during that first trial, we, we have to experience this joy, this faith, this trusting in our God. Joy is the gas in your tank. The next point is this. Trials should lead us to faithfully seek God's wisdom in prayer and in Study. Verse number five through eight. But but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the sea, the surf of the sea being tossed and thrown by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man and stable in all his ways, where are you going to get your answers to your questions? Are you asking Alexa? Are you Googling to get those answers? Are you seeking the help from a psychologist, not that that's a bad thing? but it can't be the only thing Are you asking other men and women That's also a good thing to seek godly advice but it can't be the only thing You're going to be able to find some answers to your questions. You can you can ask Alexa. You can ask Google. You can ask other men and women But you are not going to find wisdom in those things. Wisdom comes from God himself. And you ask him in faith, on your knees, to give it to you and seek his will. Because so many times other people will tell you what what they've experienced and what worked for them. And God bless their heart. The intention is well and it's nice and it's wonderful and they want to lift you up and encourage you. And again, I say that's not a bad thing. But we need to go to our Lord because he's the only one that can help us with the difficulties of our life. But we must ask in faith. I remember just recently both Lou and I changed jobs roughly at the same time and man, it was kind of scary Because we didn't know where our money was going to come from, right? Like, there was literally two and a half months where I didn't get paid at all. And we were just living off of Lou's salary, which, honestly, is just not very much money. And Lou and I had a conversation about this, and we're looking at each other, and we're going, we're looking at the bills, and we're looking at, possible things that could happen, like broken cars and all of this, and we just look at each other, and we just started laughing, and all I could say was, I said, baby, do you suppose we'll be dead in two and a half months? And we both laughed, because we knew we weren't going to die, right? Right? One way or another, because we've built faith through trials together, we knew that God was going to provide. We were going to have a way to get through this. Now, this is a, this is an easy trial. We're not talking about James kind of trials, Jews being persecuted kind of trials, but these are the things that, that you and I deal with, right? And so, we thought about it. And we prayed about it. And we're like, you know what? Whatever. Just let's just go. We both felt like God was calling us to do something different, and we did it. And we're alive. We're still alive. We are not dead, and we're here. So, you know what? That is not what James was experiencing. He knew that his brother was murdered. He knew the potential for him to be murdered was great, and he pushed through it. He kept pushing through it anyhow. He had faith enough to write down the words that we have in our scripture through the Holy Spirit. He saw his brother spit on. He saw his brother's beard ripped out, which was one of the greatest disgraces you could do to a human being in that culture. He prayed for those that were killing him as did Christ. Let me ask you a question. Can we handle the simple criticisms of our current modern day culture as being Christians? Can we handle it? When we go to work, can we handle other people criticizing us of our Christianity? Can we even tell them that we're a Christian? Are we able to handle the persecution that will be coming down the road for us in the future? Are we able to instill in our children the strength and wisdom to withstand the persecution that is to come in the future? Have we trained them? Have we taught them? Are they prepared for what's to come? Because we don't know when Christ is coming back. Can we handle the Facebook criticism? because our little shoebox of desires politically is not being met or somebody said something that offended me can we even handle that we cannot be double minded we must be glorifying Christ through our faith to carry out his will in this world it's not our way it's not my way it's his way He's used evil people, and he's used good people to carry out his will. We have to seek God in prayer. But are we praying in faith? We must seek God in his word. Do we really seek God in his word? Are we opening up his book and seeking him? Point number four, or the next point is, James gets a little morbid here. Whether we are rich or poor, our lives should glorify our living God because we are all dying, more or less, what he's saying. Verse 9, but brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man, for, by the way, you guys, the numbers in our Bible, I know why we have them there, but in this instance, it really is one thought from verse 9 and verse 10 it is really one sentence so let's not separate them two like they're two separate thoughts they are one separate one thought and he says brother but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position semicolon and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like a flowering grass he will pass away for the sun rises with scorching wind and then withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So to the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Trials will make all believers equally dependent on God. We are all passing away from the moment we're born. The poor need to glorify God if he exalts them. The rich need to glorify God if He humbles them. God gets the glory in all things. Everything in this life is fleeting. Every year in Missouri, we get to watch the seasons change. We get to watch the flowers bloom and the red buds bloom, and then we get to watch them die. And then in the fall, the trees die. And in the middle of the summer, we get to see all the weeds come to life. And then in the fall, they die. Life is always around us, life and death, life and death. Since the fall of man, since sin entered into the world, we see this death. This is a temporary life. And yet some of us put all of our cards on the table of this world all of our cards on what's happening right now in our life. What's happening in my world. The question is, where do you want to live? Do you want to live with him? Or do you want to live separate from him? We have to remain steadfast. We must persevere in this difficult life. We must have faith in the only God. The only God. Point number five is this. There are blessings on the backside of enduring temptation for those that love God. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. Listen. Blessed are the men who endure trials and temptations. If you love him, you will endure these. Trials are the umbrella of faith. He doesn't say blessings come easy, ever. The terms used are endure or persevere. This is not going to be easy. These terms allude to a difficulty. This life will be tough. It was tough for James. It was tough for those dispersed. It was awfully horrific for Jesus himself. Guys, we're going to have it. We're going to get it. We can't give up. We can't give up the fight. The fight is not over until we are glorified, until we stand in his presence. Every day, we need to pick up our cross. We need to follow him. Into the fight. And if it's difficult, know that you're probably on the right track. Has anybody ever won an argument with God? So, what good is it to complain about my circumstances? I was born into a relatively poor family, right? What good is it for me to point at the rich guy and say, God, why did you give me this life? It ain't fair. Why did you give me mine? Because this is jacked up. This ain't cool. This ain't right. Have you ever won that argument with him? If you have something between you and your Lord, it's your fault. If there is a block or a wall between you and your Lord, you placed it there. He didn't place it there. He doesn't divide or create division between you and He. We do that. He's a perfect creation. Excuse me, He's a perfect being who created us. He does want to see how we react to temptation, so He allows us to be tempted. Maybe today, you don't feel God's presence in your life. You might be a Christian, but you haven't felt him talking to you recently. Or maybe you don't have any faith at all. Maybe you never had any faith. Maybe death seems like peace to you. Because it's, it's final. But think about that. Death is final. When you are dead, it is over. There are no second chances for eternal life with God. When it's over, it is over. We all have a choice to make. I want you to listen to this next thing. Death ensures no more trials to find joy in. Is that a happy statement? Does that make you feel good inside? Is this, it's one of those things that, oh yes, I want one more trial, right? But how do we know we're alive if we don't have pain? How do we know we're, we're doing anything if we don't have the next trial? The blessings come on the backside of those trials. Have you chosen faith? Do you trust that Jesus was who he said he was? James didn't believe early on, but he changed. He accepted Christ. He accepted that his brother really was the Messiah. Can we find joy in trials? It's a difficult thing. Can we find joy in pain and suffering in this sick, twisted world that we live in? Some of the things you see on TV or you hear about or you read about, there's a bunch of sick and twisted things happening. What are we doing with that? Are we saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you? Are we running to them and saying, what can I do to help you? Are we reaching out to those that are lost? You're going to find trials when you do that. You're going to have suffering when you do that, because the enemy's going to want to attack you. If you're having trouble with this, you're not alone. We all suffer trials. I want to ask you guys to come forward if if you're struggling and you want to pray about things, you want to talk about things. Ask God to be your savior if you haven't accepted Christ into your life, if you haven't really given your life to Him, when I ask you to do that. Christ died for you so that you would have an abundant life. Not a perfect life. Not a life that's without trials or tribulations or struggles. He died for you so that He could be there in the midst of those. He wants to take you just as you are, an imperfect, messed up person, and he wants to walk side by side with you through a process of sanctifying you and cleansing you so that you can come out on the other side as white as snow. We're here. I want to ask the man to go ahead and come forward to play um, our last song. But I want to ask that if you need to pray about anything, if you want to say, "Lord, I give you my life today, I want to ask you to come forward. If you just want to pray because you're struggling right now, or things are tough right now, or life is hard right now, I want you to come forward and pray. I'm going to um, I'm going to ask Chris, Asariotis, and I'm going to ask. Pat to come forward also, and Matt to come forward. Again, if you have anything that you would talk about or pray about, please come forward and we'll talk to you and pray with you.